Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And uh, a very warm welcome to you today on this uh, first Sunday of Advent, uh, Christian liturgical New Year, if you will. Um, One of the prominent themes of this particular season, and there are a lot of them, but one of the most prominent themes, and a a theme that's traditionally preached on on the first Sunday of Advent, is the idea of time. Uh, This is also uh, the theme of our section of St. Paul's epistle to the Romans. St. Paul tells the church in Rome, and uh, consequently all of us, you know what time it is. As a matter of fact, the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. And really, this is what Advent is all about, recognizing that there is a giant alarm clock ringing, uh, that since the uh, death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus to the right hand of the Father, uh, things are now completely and totally different. Uh, The alarm clock is ringing. So what does this mean, then, exactly, in your day, today life. What's St. Paul trying to get at? Well, it means on one level that we live in this period, theologically speaking, of what's called the already and the not yet. Let me say it again, the already and the not yet. And it sounds a bit like a head trip, and indeed it is, but it's true. It's true, hear me out. At the heart of Christianity is the truth that when Jesus Christ lived, died, resurrected, and ascended, historical fact, not metaphor, not analogy, not wishful thinking, but historical fact, when these things happened, the long-expected age that the Jewish prophets and the Jewish people had been waiting for, this long-expected age to come, the kingdom of God broke into our world in a major way. And actually, Jesus is the first fruits of this inbreaking of the kingdom. However, for you and I, everywhere we look, the world seems to be out of sorts. Everything but God's rule of peace seems to be in control. So you may be asking yourself, Jake, what are you talking about? How's this work? Well, a great way to illustrate this idea of the already and the not yet, the overlapping of these two kingdoms... A great way to illustrate that is before the sun rises. I know for me, when I have to get up before the sun rises, everything in my body, everything in my body tells me, Jake, it's still night. Stay in bed. Am I the only one? Uh, You know, especially on Saturday. Nevertheless, while what I may see says night, it is definitely morning. And you can guarantee that the sun will rise. And this is my first point. This is what Advent is all about. This is what St. Paul is teaching us here in our epistle reading. Since Jesus' resurrection, the heavenly clock switched from p.m. to a.m., or should I say from B.C. to A.D. I love that we all say like B.C.E. and then um, C.E., but it's all based on Jesus' life. Never forget that. Now, while your instincts, though, because of what you see around you, your instincts may tell you to blow the alarm clock off 
and go back to bed because after all, it's been going off for 2,000 years. I mean, this drives me crazy about St. Peter when he says, do not consider God slow as some count slowness. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, we've been waiting. But St. Paul writes, he writes, since this resurrection, this event has taken place, you know what time it is. Wake up and be assured that the kingdom of righteousness is present and receive this kingdom of righteousness by faith. And you and I receive this kingdom, we receive this kingdom by faith through the preaching of the forgiveness of sins that comes to you in both word and sacrament. Now, this is a very powerful and practical truth St. Paul is teaching. And what he's doing right here in this part of the book of Romans is he's teaching us how to function in this new reality. Take a look. St. Paul says we live in this new reality, this already and not yet. We move forward in time in three very specific ways. He says this. He says the first way we do this is we move forward in the already and the not yet. We move forward in time. We move forward in time by the fact that you're awake. You're awake and alert to the reality that we live in two ages at once. And because Jesus came once, you can guarantee he will come again. We're alert to the fact that while things look like they're falling apart, I mean, here it is, the World Cup, the most glorious thing in the world. You know, everybody's coming together. And like 6,000 people we know died building those stadiums. The crazy, insane corruption that's gone into all of this. I mean, I love the World Cup as much as the next person. But it's like, there's this already and not yet. Everything looks like it's together, but it's falling apart. We live in these two ages all at once. But St. Paul says, wake up, because your salvation is at hand. Most people, spiritually speaking, are sleepwalking. They're sleepwalking, and this goes for Christians as well. In this age of overlap, already and not yet, when darkness seems to have the upper hand, it's real easy just to stay in bed. When darkness seems to have the upper hand, it's real easy to take on all of these social projects and try and save the world ourselves. When darkness seems to have the upper hand, it's real easy just to kick back and self-medicate and hope everything will be all right. And spiritually speaking, that's called sleepwalking. And to quote Zach Delaroche from Rage Against the Machine, who quotes St. Paul, wake up! There are more Rage Against the Machine fans here than at the 9 o'clock. Man, I told that joke and it just dropped like a lead balloon. But anyway... But wake up. And how do we wake up? Well, the alarm is Christ has died for you. Christ is risen for you. And Christ is coming again for you. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. It may look like four in the morning. It may look like nighttime, but it is morning. The night is far gone and the day is near. The second way we move forward, St. Paul says, through this time, this overlap, is that we begin to lay aside the works of darkness. 
and put on the armor of light. Now, if you just take this section from Romans 13, it seems like this is what you got to do. This is your part of the game. And that's to misunderstand this. The earlier section of Romans, St. Paul lays out the doctrine of Christianity and what Christ has done for you. What Christ has already done for you. And so what he's offering right here is a description of what these works are. Now, what does this look like as a Christian? Well, the best description I've ever heard given is by C.S. Lewis in the third book of the Voyage, uh, the third book of the Chronicles of Narnia, entitled *The Voyage of the Dawn Trader*. Now, if you've ever read this, it's an amazing book. And in this book, there's this little nasty boy named Eustace uh, who finds a treasure, and he begins to imagine what his life would be with all of this wealth and without his pesty cousins bothering him. And he literally falls asleep. And when he awakes, he finds himself as a dragon. The point being, this is the outward manifestation of who he is on the inside. Now, realizing that he can't go with his cousins and he will be cut off from his companions, he begins to weep. And Aslan, the lion who functions as the Christ figure, comes and takes Eustace to a place which symbolizes Mount Zion, which the prophet Isaiah looked forward to in our Old Testament reading today. And there is a well at the base of this mountain. That's a font, a baptismal font. And there Eustace begins to pull his dragon skin off, trying to find himself. And have you ever tried to find yourself and you go inward and it just seems to get darker and darker and darker? I mean, all of these people in the world trying to find and discover themselves. And, uh, you know, depression is on the rise. It's to no avail. He can never find himself. He can never make himself clean. And so Aslan, there at that well, says, you'll have to let me undress you. And with his lion claw, he begins to dig into Eustace's dragon skin. And Eustace describes the experience. He says, the very tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my own heart. And indeed, sometimes the dragons are identities. They're so wrapped in with who we are that for God to pull them off of us is a painful, painful experience. Eustace goes on to say, and when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. Losing everything. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. He goes on to say that Aslan throws Eustace into the water of this well where Eustace swims in freedom as a boy once again. An illustration of being born again. Being made new. And see, what Lewis is trying to illustrate is what St. Paul is trying to illustrate right here. In light of the entire epistle of Romans. As we lay aside the works of darkness... We lay them aside because Christ ultimately is the one removing them from us. You know, casting off the works of darkness is often nothing more than recognizing. Recognizing that you already live in the light because of Jesus Christ. It may be dark outside. It may even seem dark within. 
Believe me, brothers and sisters, darkness is passing away and the true light of Christ, it's already shining. What does St. John say in the opening of his gospel? The light has entered into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. The third way we move forward in time, in this already and not yet, is putting on the Lord Jesus. Putting on the Lord Jesus. And we put on the Lord Jesus because he puts himself on us in baptism. See, after Eustace gets out of the water where he's swimming, he says to the lion, he says, the lion took me out and dressed me in new clothes. And when you were baptized, whether you know it or not, you came out with new clothes as well. The clothes of Jesus' righteousness by which God now sees you in Christ and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Once again, in light of the rest of the epistle, the protagonist in your relationship with God, never forget this, the protagonist in your relationship with God, this is what Advent is all about, is God. Therefore, putting on Christ is actually God's work on you. And this is my second point. Because darkness is passing away and the true light Jesus Christ is already shining, the very presence of the love of God in our lives, then to be clothed is to be spiritually awake and to walk in such a way that expresses faith, faith that believes that God is at work in our lives. Faith that believes that God is not going to allow the world to have the final say. Faith to believe that God in Christ will return in righteousness to save us. And as we'll confess in our creeds, to judge the living and the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear all of this, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, it's a great sermon, Jake. But there's another part of me that's like, I don't know if I believe it. Because I want it all now. I want Christmas now. You know, I want a paycheck now, not next Friday. Like Veruca Salt. I want one of Willy Wonka's golden geese now. I mean, that song illustrates all of us. I want the world... I want the whole world. I want to lock it and put it in my pocket. It's my bar. All right, I'll stop. But that's the point. We want it now. I want glory now. Who wants suffering, really? Come on. I want everything by sight instead of faith alone. And I grow impatient, distracted. I doubt And I forget, as the Black Keys sang, I've got a love that keeps me waiting. Forget it. And maybe some of you can relate. And the world, those who are asleep, I mean, when we start talking about Jesus coming back, they think we're crazy. There are those Christians again, waiting for the arrival of Jesus, who never seems to show up. But you've got a love that keeps you waiting. And as Christians waiting for the return of Christ, we appear to be like Linus. You remember Linus from the Peanuts? Waiting and watching for the great pumpkin. Waiting and watching for someone whom we have never seen and who has promised to appear in glory. 
That sounds silly. Sounds silly to our New York years. Yet remember, and this is the love that keeps you waiting, remember that the one who has promised to return for us is the one who in real history has died and rose from the dead. And sane and rational, even skeptical people saw, heard, and touched him. And they believed, as John writes in the opening of his epistle, that which we've seen, that which we've heard, that which we've touched, we now proclaim to you. And we, Christians, we've rested on that witness for 2,000 years. And since then, every generation of Christian has sat in the pumpkin patch called this world, awaiting the coming of the Lord in glory. And Advent comes year after year with the same prayer, Stir up your power, O Lord, and come. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And this is my third point. You're right where you're supposed to be. In the midst of time, God has you right where he wants you. One of the key themes of Advent is time. And as Christians in the midst of time, we wait. But we got a love that keeps us waiting. We wait. Now that doesn't sound all that exciting. But we wait. We don't simply wait for anything. We wait for light. We wait for our salvation. We wait for the one, Jesus Christ, the God who loves us. So even as darkness seems to take the upper hand in the world, even as darkness seems to take the upper hand in our lives, we wait and we wait because this is our call. This is our call to live by faith in the day while it still appears to be night, knowing that dawn has come with Jesus and the day is not far off. So we wait, we wait And we set our eyes on the horizon, knowing that Jesus has come for you. Jesus has come for you once. And now Jesus comes to you in words of a promise, in bread and wine. You've got a love that keeps you waiting. And this creates the hope within us. But soon, very soon, Christians, wake up. Wake up because Jesus will return in great triumph and glory. And you'll see him, but not as a stranger, but as a friend. And because you're clothed in Jesus' righteousness, he will say to you, because he cannot deny himself, well done, good and faithful servant. So be encouraged. You've been given a love that keeps you waiting. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.